When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Wiz and Cricket Weekly podcast. Before we start today's show, how does he offer a free beer sound to you? The kind people at Beer52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash wisdom and cover the £5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered direct to your doorstep so there's no need to leave the house. So head to beer52.com forward slash wisdom to get that deal. On with the show, Ireland channeled the spirit of Bangalore to chase down 3-2-9 with a ball to spare at the Aegeus Bowl to get their World Cup Super League campaign up and running. I'm Yazrana. It's uh, 8.35 in the morning, and to discuss that, England series win, an epic start to the Bob Willis Trophy, an England series against Pakistan. With me today is the editor-in-chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker, and the morning. managing editor of Wisdom.com, Ben Gardner. Um, ben, you're full of energy today. <laughs> to just clarify, Ben left the office at 11 last night, and now he's back in at half eight, basically because I've got a game of cricket later on, and I can only do an hour. Yeah, yeah, suggested I bring a sleeping bag into the office, and I... <laughs> Realised too late that he was only half joking. Yeah. I, I do <laughs> like your Black Sabbath t-shirt though. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a nice touch. Yeah. Definitely got dressed in the dark this morning. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, um, anyway, anyway, enough anyway, of that nonsense. Well, we had one of the one of the great ODI partnerships yesterday between Andy Balburnie and Paul Sterling, who both scored hundreds and put on two hundred and fourteen for the second wicket. Ben, you reckon that Ireland win is better than their, their win at Bangalore in the twenty eleven World Cup? Um, just for context. That was their first win in 24 or 25 ODIs against a team ranked in the top nine in the world. So for Ireland, that is a, that is a massive win. And also not a consolation as well, because they get points for it. And who knows how important that could be in yeah. three years' time. Yeah, I mean, if if we are going to compare the two, and it, I mean, obviously that Bangalore win is what always comes up whenever you talk about Irish cricket in any context. And hopefully this is a win that can start putting that touch point to, to bed a little bit, as I think you know some of the Irish players would be keen to happen I mean if, if obviously the, the manner in which that Bangalore win was achieved was in some ways more remarkable because you know Kevin O'Brien hit the fastest 100 in the World Cup but this I mean if you look at the Ireland team then versus the Ireland team now that was in a way an Ireland team kind of nearing its all the players kind of at the peak at the same time of like a golden generation basically beating an England team that were kind of hit and miss at best in ODI cricket whereas this is even with England missing a few of their first choice players was probably the, the strongest team Ireland have, have ever beaten and an Ireland team kind of deliberately in transition. There's uh, one of the youngest teams I've ever fielded. No William Porterfield like, deliberately left out. No Gary Wilson, Boyd Rankin not in there. Um, so 
yeah, and and also even this game, I mean, there's nothing quite to stand out as that that O'Brien hundred, but this was a uh, you know looking at where England were after about twenty five overs when Morgan had, was just about reaching his hundred, and people were saying could get double hundred. There was even mention of him breaking Rohit Sharma's record, and then for them to pull England back to three two eight at that point, and then to put aside their like batting woes in the first two games to come out and do that was was quite astonishing, really. Although it was two of their more established players in Balbonian and Sterling, it was an encouraging series for them in seeing the development of Curtis Camper, who I think we said last week has never played a game of cricket in Ireland, but was, was brilliant all series for them. Uh, half centuries in the, the first two ODIs, Boldwell as well. Gareth Delaney looked quite good as well. So a very encouraging series and encouraging result for and Ireland. For, for Harry Tector as well, that would be just mm. an absolutely huge moment. Just I mean, he, he, he batted pretty well at the end there, kept his cool really well, but just, just imagine how much better a player he'll be for having just kind of got through that sort of situation to come out against, you know, like a, one of the, uh, the best bowling attacks in, in the world, really, even with, you know, the likes of Archer and Wokes missing and to keep his cool to get his team over the line was... Like alongside Kevin O'Brien, who you know, will be coaching through all the way, will be be absolutely massive for him. And yeah, they'll be so much better off for the the extended opportunities they'll get through this Super League, which has already shown its value, I guess. On England, did England get a lot wrong with the ball? Is there quite a big drop off between England's first choice attack and from, from, the guys behind? From what I saw, I wasn't watching it ball by ball. From what I saw, uh, they lost their way big time in the last ten overs. Um, David Willey and Tom Curran are normally pretty reliable death bowlers but neither of them really landed it um but that would that would be a churlish point really because you know that is a classic run chase 50 50 off the first 10 you lose one big partnership your middle order see at home that is a classic signature run chase for for any any legitimately decent side uh when you factor in the context and factor in how poor they were by their own acknowledgement in the first two games especially in the first one with the bat uh it's a it's a staggering performance really and it's um it's another one in this weird summer that is sort of rousingly encouraging for for the game at large mm. you know we're, we're sitting here ostensibly as England fans now I wasn't watching it with you obviously I was I had a I have a life so I wasn't sitting in the office at 11 in the evening watching it but uh we would have all been following it and thinking, oh, go on, get over the line, get over the line. And and this is against, in inverted commas, our side, you know. But this has kind of been the story of the summer, really. Uh, I was just, I actually I actually caught the highlights because I was out last night, I have to be honest. But I caught the highlights when I got in. So I saw, I saw a good hour of it, um, their chase. And it just, just stirs the soul, doesn't it? It stirs the soul to see Paul Sterling, who's not just a lovable cricketer because he kind of looks like a bricky and, you know, he's Irish, but he's a lovable cricketer because he's a damn good cricketer. And his record, uh, both in county cricket, in one-day cricket, and obviously for, I think that's nine hundreds now he's made, nine ODI hundreds, he's he's kind of carried their batting for years, undemonstrably, but he can take any attack apart. And the way he went after Saqib Mahmood, off the front foot, just teeing off and launching him, 85, 90 metres, time after time, uh, was was staggering, really. Brilliant. Balberni looks, I don't know him, I've never interviewed him, but he looks like a serious-minded, uh, smart man who who kind of has the, the minerals to to take 
this side on to something else and and you mentioned Porterfield Wilson etc there has been that sense that that era is coming to an end and it's a it's a rocky road for Ireland there's no question about it you know they've achieved test status but to play a test match is a massive loss leader for them and everybody knows that the the game at large has to recognize that and has to try and support them arguably a bit more substantially financially than they have done but the spirit is there uh, and with that, you can do great things. Um, and as I said, I liked it at the end. They said, oh, look, all right, we beat in England, but it's 10 points. We've got 10 points in the bag. And, and, and that's the right kind of attitude. You know, this is not, this is not kind of a nice little uh, blip, a nice little moment for a plucky bunch of underdogs. No, this is, they're fighting for something here. And, and who's to say that they can't pick up some points elsewhere as well? And, you know, maybe even just creep into that that last group. I, I don't think we're being unfair on Ireland at all if we are critical of England. I mean, England are the world champions at the end Sorry, of the day. Sorry, that was your question, yeah. wasn't it? Well, <laughs> it, was, it was. But no, it's, it's fair enough to, to be very clear that we're that, that, was, that was brilliant from Ireland. But I think we're not taking anything away from them by being critical of England. England are the world champions. They're building to the defence of their World Cup in 2023. And there's a real opportunity for their second string attack to lay claims, you know, Liam Plunkett will not be playing in the next World Cup. Someone, Liam Plunkett taking a lot of wickets for England when the opposition have been doing very well in the middle overs is not what England did yesterday. And Saki Bamu's not quite hit his straps as I was expecting him to and I think England were hoping him to as well. Not that he's bowled badly as such, but uh, what, I, what struck me last night is that he was kind of striving and striving and almost over-striving a little bit, you know, and, and he's known as a very intelligent bowler, but it was almost like the moment got away from him a little bit. Now, you know, he's a young'un, sure. He's just five minutes into his international career. Uh, but he didn't quite grab that opportunity in the way that I was hoping and expecting that he would, to be honest. Uh, it is worth pointing out, obviously, you know, England's first choice seam attack weren't playing. Mm. Um, uh, all right, with the caveat of Plunkett, you know, that they've jettisoned. But... Um, this was still a solid, solid cricket team that they put out there. You know, this was still a world-class cricket team that would run any side in the world pretty close. Well, three World Cup winners were in the, in the bowling attack. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the most explosive opening pair ever. Uh, you know, a, a diamond in Morgan whose innings was sublime. And I did see that live. I watched that ball, ball for ball. And my word, what a piece of work that was. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just another good news story, really, for the game. I, I would say on... Well, I'd say a couple of things. One, one on Plunkett is that obviously he's not going to be well in the next World Cup, but it does still puzzle me that England got rid of him quite so quickly because they are going to want that bowler like Plunkett and kind of who better to learn from than, than the man himself. Like if Saqib Mahmood is going to be their mid-lovers wicket taker, basically their Plunkett replacement, why would you not want Plunkett around to kind of impart those skills? Uh, and then uh, on, on the bowling attack, I mean, England in the first two games relied quite a lot on Willie taking new ball wickets. And Rashid striking the middle. I thought Adil Rashid bowled pretty, really well yesterday, but Paul Sterling just played him better than any of the other Ireland batsmen have. So I think you do have to give them a lot of credit as well for the way they kind of took down England's or neutralised England's two main weapons as well as taking down the other members of the attack. And just fi- finally on 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 Balburnie, I mean he captained brilliantly in this game to hauling the back from where they were. But he's captained brilliantly all series. I think the first two game Ireland made what just under and just over two hundred, and we're still in the game and you think how many sides yeah. in the world against this England batting lineup would get anywhere close to actually how well Ireland did in those two is a uh, it's, it's remarkable really I mean obviously it's you know Ireland will come away with this almost feeling a little bit disappointed because from how well they played in that last game they would think if 
one of Sterling or Balburn, if if they if each of them had got a score in one of the first two games, they could have pushed England really, really close, not just in one game but for the series. And England side, by the way, that Sam Billings calls the hardest sporting team to get to in the world. Well, he's good for a quote, is Sam. <laughs> uh, just just a, a little a little shout out for um, my my new favourite cricketer, uh, Andy McBrien. Um, I just love him. He didn't have a great game yesterday. Morgan took him apart. That's true. But I just love watching him. It looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, this fella. I don't know how old he is. He could be 25. He could be 82. I don't really know. Um, there's a mystery around this bloke. I absolutely adore him. Um, he looks like a roadie for Joy Division or something like that. I just think he's a fabulous uh, kind of classical sort of Irish cricketer who's done the rounds. Tidy little off spinner. Like him a lot. Um, and I just very, very briefly, sorry, on... We can't forget Morgan's innings here, right? 78, 79 ball, 100, I think. Just because we've seen him do it before, it doesn't stop it being staggering when he does. How clean he hit it yesterday. He stayed so balanced in his shots as well. Whether he was club... He positions himself... So, like a boxer, as more than any other player I've seen, he's, he's a boxer. He doesn't go back. He doesn't really go forward unless he's leaning on a drive. But he is, his transference of weight is absolutely immaculate when he's playing well. Uh, but because I think he plays like that, that's when he does get out of form, I think. You know, when things aren't quite working, I think because he plays on the line technically a little bit. But watching him yesterday, it was an absolute masterclass in pure hitting. Uh, um and oddly, it was replicated a little bit by Sterling. And they both play in a similar kind of way. They're very modern kind of players. They don't use the crease particularly. They don't go back and across. They stand there. They have a high back lift. And they've got these strong wrists. And they just work through the ball, snap through the ball. And it was a funny kind of mirror image to watch the two of them, really. I think Morgan was almost a bit purer. But they, there was a lot of parallels between the two of them. Uh, two genuinely great ODI knocks, those two. And, you know, Morgan was you know, 44 for three at one point, so we can't underestimate that knock either. Looking at the group that won England the World Cup and looking ahead at how they may look in 2023, they've already discarded Plunkett, um, Hartley perhaps. Owen Morgan will be 37-38 by the time the next World Cup comes around. And England have plenty of mid- potential middle-order batsmen to, to replace him by then. But Moeen Ali, who's had a poor series here, will, will be 36 yeah. One run and no wickets for Moeen in the series. And before we start recording, Ben, you pointed out that he's never really been a wicket taker in ODI cricket. It's never been his role. But is it, is it worth England at least looking at who else is out there? Who, who is out there to fulfil that role if it's not Moeen Ali? Well, that, that's the thing. Finger spinners, left arm spinners, there's a couple of those. Liam Dawson would, you know, mm. would not let England down. Uh, would offer more with the bat than Moeen at this point as well. It's kind of sad to say, but it's, it's the case. Uh, a couple of up, uh, Lewis Goldworthy impressed the Un-19 World Cup. Not not saying we throw him in for a debut, but who knows in four years' time whether he could be a bolt of it. But these are, are left arm spinners. I mean, we were Danny looking, Briggs as well. He's yeah. always done well in county cricket. Yeah, but we were looking at the, the Royal London One Day Cup and the, the leading off spinner there last season was, was Gareth Batty. He's pro- probably also going to struggle to make it to the next World Cup. So if it's, And, that, and that's, that, that's if England want someone turn the ball away in the opposite direction to Rashid, which they might well do but yeah it's a it's, it's a really tricky one I'm not, I'm not sure who the next Cabot rank is but I guess the, the other side of that is it's a real opportunity for you know a, a young off spinner to come and do a lot and, and make a make a name of themselves every time I watch Don Bess I think he'd be a really good ODI player he'd like bat, bats well fields well he's accurate with the ball 
Um, has, he, has he not done much for Somerset? He's not played much uh, one-day cricket and he's not done hugely well when he has played. Right. But he's not. He's he's been given very few opportunities. I, I actually, if, if, if I was Ed Smith, I would be tempted to just chuck him in an ODI squad because I think looking ahead... I can't. I can't. Looking at this, I can't think of an off spinner in county cricket who could maybe do the Moeen Rani job. How long is the World Cup? Three years. Simon yeah. Harmer. <laughs> um, uh, on the best thing, it's, it's obviously it stacks up what you say, but we are tapping into the the one of the issues of the modern game: the divergence between ODI cricket and, oh, sorry, limited overs cricket and first class cricket, and how players are increasingly siloed, as we know. Um, and if we want best to be a really good attacking as well as containing test match spinner, maybe we don't want to to get him bowling 10 overs with a white ball, darting it in and fiddling around too much. Maybe we do want him at this juncture in his, in his development to focus on test cricket. I don't know where I stand on that, but you can understand they will be having those kinds of conversations. Um, we'll have to wait and see, really. But you're right about Moeen up to a point. I would... Hesitate to write off his batting. Now, I know he looked, you know, out of sorts, obviously. Four balls for a, for a single, but then slightly unlucky. I mean, a leading edge to to cover, you know, when you're f- finding your way. He's obviously a touch player. He's obviously a streaky player. He hasn't played any cricket. So I would hesitate to write him off with the bat. I mean, he still made, you know, four or five ODI hundreds and he bats at seven and he's, you know, he's strike rate at 105, I think it was. Uh, so I, I wouldn't write him off yet, but your point about him never having really been a particularly incisive ODI off spinner anyway is a good one. Um, and yeah, time does rush on. So so they will be scouting around the, the county game trying to find some, someone because Moe's not going to hang around forever and uh, his position is, is precarious at the moment. Um, I really, really don't want to see the back of Moe Ali as a test match cricketer, but he stunk the place out, to be honest, in the, the trial game. And that's what what meant that Best got the nod and obviously Best bowled well in the winter anyway. But it would be a shame to think that Moeen, who is such a delicate and exquisite talent, um, is nearing the end of his England career. Yeah, on on Morgan, though, which the other person said is, is, is getting on an age, I actually just wouldn't be surprised. Doesn't matter, does it? I, I just wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the next in the next World Cup. And he looks chiselled as well, doesn't he? And he, I, looks, he looks as young as he's ever looked, really. I think he looks happier than he's ever looked uh, in, in an England shirt. He just, like like any kind of media engagement he has to do, he kind of, he's got the kind of goofy smile that he always can't contain going on. And it's, I, I wonder... Well, you would if you've lifted the World Cup, wouldn't you? I well, mean, that, for, forever, you're just, you're Bobby Moore. So but, you're, you're fine. But, but the thing is, is that not only did he get to lift the World Cup, but he's really the only one in that squad who would really have had the time to properly digest that triumph like you see a lot of the he's got the, a great life yeah yeah i don't even have to play real cricket <laughs> yeah he, he talk, talk, talks in lockdown about just how much he's just loving time with his with his family and his, his kid and stuff yeah. he's, uh, he just have, seems have like the odd a, have the odd hit here and there in pajamas exactly <laughs> jolly good show properly content bloke and, and and i think he'll just he'll just he'll just keep going as long as as long as the body wants him to i mean i think almost some people in the media kind of want him to move on because that story is kind of like been told and like had its thing you know it's uh we've, mm-hmm. we've we've seen the evolution of morgan the cricketer now it's kind of like the complete package and, and that's done now we want to like see what joss butler's like no no captain but why would morgan not want to you know cement his place as like basic one of the greatest one of the that there's ever been by you know lifting a t20 mm-hmm. world cup or two and defending a title it became you're absolutely right it became this weird kind of media story is he going to retire you know 12 minutes after he's lifted the World Cup. It wasn't that weird. Like he, he, it was he's a bit, when you look at it on paper, you know, I mean, the bloke's fit. He's never really been injured. He's, 
in the build-up to the World Cup, he was absolutely on fire with the bat. But part of why England won in 2019 was because they were building up to that tournament for four years. So it's understandable to look at him and be like, Willie, not many players do well at 37, 38 in limited service cricket. It's a fair... How old is he now? Age. Uh, 34? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cricket to be played between one World Cup and another World Cup. Yeah. Plus, of course, there's a 20, 20 over thing to win. Um, you know, he wants to do the double. He wants to walk away with, with all the pots. Uh, and, and why wouldn't he? I mean, he is batting beautifully at the moment. Obviously, there is this issue around the, the short ball. I think he's averaging fewer against the short ball now than he ever has before over the last 12 months. But the reality is you're not going to get bombed that much, really. Uh, you, don't, you don't play against Mitchell Stark every week. Um, and yeah, as I said earlier, I think technically he's probably looking better than ever. Sam Billings had an excellent series. He was unbeaten in both of England's wins. He's 29 now, and he's not actually played that much cricket in the last few years. It's a big 12, 12 months coming up for Billings, where he could theoretically push forward his case in all three formats. Do you think, Ben? Yeah, well, this it's, it's one of those things that, like, when you first hear it, you're like, that's mad, Sam Billings test wicketkeeper. And then you think about it more. That's and you're actually, mad. It, yeah. <laughs> and then it, the, the more you think about it, the more, the more it makes sense. I mean... Uh, like he's, he's got he's got a decent first class record. Had a, a very good end to the season for Kent last last year. But, but two, I think two hundreds at Yorkshire, right? Yeah, yeah. He did, he did the shy hope, yeah. yeah. Um, and he scored another one. Yeah, so what it was three hundreds in in four games? I think yeah. to end that season. Uh, but but it, it, like there's, he seems like a, a kind of an intelligent batsman who can play a variety of situations, like uh, at ease basically, which I think is very much what you want from a a Test match number seven as we've seen with England over the last few years like sometimes you will end up in a, in a partnership with a proper batsman and you want someone who can score hundreds sometimes you will end up with a tail and you want someone who could sort of knock the singles and shield someone I think Sam Billings does have the skill set for that role and he's and he's going to get like a, an opportunity to, to show I guess he's going to go back to Kent he pretty, probably won't keep because they've got um, uh, the other Ollie Robinson there uh, but if he, if he gets a few scores and England have a tour to India coming up and if there's at that point like you know, there's not a viable alternative who's put forward a huge case. England like how he plays spin and he could well find himself in a test squad. So I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah, and a crucial part of this is that we were, when we were talking about this the other day is that Ben Folks, who is the man presumed to be next in line if Joss Butler loses his place, um, he bats 5-6 for Surrey and bats very much like a proper batsman. I can't really imagine Folks being able to play the kind of innings that I think Billings would be capable of doing at number seven, like putting his foot on the gas, etc., Hundred um, percent agree. And, and England probably do need somebody who is adaptable and capable, as you say, of of doing both. And, um, when, and when folks made that hundred in Sri Lanka, he had big partnerships with. I think it would have been Josh Butler at number six and Sam Curran at number eight. He wasn't hugely batting with the tail. Obviously, they helped get him to his hundred, but he was like already set by the time he was having to to bat with the bowlers. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're talking about potentially Morgan going on to the next World Cup. But if he doesn't, there is a spot in the middle order there for the taking and Billings has probably pushed himself to the front of that queue. Um, Phil, is that the last time we'll see James, James Vince, Vince play an ODI? Yeah, I thought you were going to come to this. Uh, oh, it looks like it might be might be the end, in part because the public seem to want it to be the end. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be an enormous amount of support for him out there and although I would argue he, he, he averages 23 from 16 ODIs yeah but I would also argue that 16 ODIs is, is a pretty small sample size spread out over what four years yep uh, his one day record for Hampshire 
is outstanding. His 2020 record is very good. His 2020 record around the world is pretty good. You know, he did well in the big bash as well when he was out there. Um, he has more respect around around the game outside of England than he does in England, I think. Um, there's some good judges in Australia who, who have a lot of time for him as a player. But for whatever reason, it's just not happened for him with England. And, uh, you know, he's... <laughs> he, he does what, what what we kind of anticipate he's going to do. And he kind of, it must be infuriating for him because he, he will hear the voices himself, possibly even when he's out there, when he's in the middle. And, he, and the, you know, he leans on that front foot and it's the blessing and the curse cover drive. And then we're anticipating what's coming. And I wonder if possibly he is also anticipating what's coming. When we've seen it with a lot of cricketers in the past, when they play for their clubs, they walk out, they feel a bit taller, they feel more at ease, more comfortable in their own skin. They are among friends and supporters and admirers. James Vince is the best, possibly the best county one day batsman out there. If you take out the top echelon of England players, uh, he's certainly right up there. But he's going out and playing in front of people who love him. He's going out and playing for England in front of people who are kind of willing him to fail in order to to confirm their own idea, their own perception I, I think, of him. I, I feel like a lot of England fans really want him to succeed just because he's so good to watch. Right. Well, I haven't got that sense, but you're you're maybe closer to you know the ebbs and flows of the the, the Twitter sphere and all the rest of it than I am. Um, it, I would have absolutely loved to have seen him make a score of note in this in, in this Island series. If he had made a 70 or an 80 or even, even a 100, that wouldn't have proved anything. So if that hasn't proved anything, why is nicking off two or three times proving, proving the, the negative? So if I was personally involved and if Joe Root is still not going to feature in the ODIs later in the summer because of the test matches and the craziness of the schedules, then I would still bat him at three. Personally, I would still bat him at three. Um, I want to know for sure. I want to eliminate the Vince enigma forever. But I sense that I'm probably in the minority in that. Um, I don't think it damages England's options going down the line to play him in another three-match series down the line. I don't think it damages where they're getting to. Uh, but it might, it would be a shame to see a talent such as his just wither away almost with a shrug because he's, he's, he's a more intriguing cricketer than that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, no. No, no, I, 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 I do accept everything you're saying, but I think. You I just think, don't agree. No, it's fine. Absolutely I, fine. I don't Accepted even, but not agreed with. I don't even disagree. It's, it's just, half eight in the morning. <laughs> It's now nine. Uh, it's, it's just that, uh, I mean, England find themselves in a sort of similar situation to, you know, when Australia had, you know, all those all those batsmen, then they could afford to, to you know, uh, try the next one pretty quickly. I mean, we we talked in a podcast a while ago about Michael Bevan, who has what, a first-class average of 58, one of the best one-day players of all time, played a handful of tests and Australia decided he wasn't good enough. And, I mean, it, it, England wouldn't be... Uh, you know, it, w- it wouldn't be overly harsh to conclude that of, of James Vince at this stage, especially considering the, the calibre of opposition he's 
he's played against isn't you know it's, he's through th- against Ireland. You, you were looking at yesterday as some, some of the other names. It was was it Scotland uh, a couple against Sri Lanka. He's played um, very few of his sixteen yeah. ODIs against the, the top teams. Top top in teams, the world. yeah. And um, and and when you look, I mean, when it comes late in the summer, if some more of those Test players do come back into the fold, England. I mean, if it comes to a choice between Tom Banton and James Vince. I think England would be right to go with Tom Banton at that number three slot rather than James Vince as someone who possibly is a bit more in front of him, uh, has not used up so much of the credit that comes for someone who, when they first make their international appearance. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I would also be sad to see it. I really like watching him bat. And, and I also don't think, even if it's the end of him for one day cricket, that there isn't a way back for him in test cricket, perhaps. Um, I feel like you get the hint that perhaps uh, Ed Smith isn't, hugely keen when you look at the fact that that's basically his first decision was to that's one way of putting ax, it ax James, ax James Vince after he got as 70 long as, his last as, as long as Smith is chairman of selectors James Vince isn't playing test cricket well there you go I think part of the the, the reason why I think Vince might struggle to play another ODI is that uh, not just the opposition he's played but the opposition he's got within the England squad and people out, out of it like the we were talking about it last week the strength and depth in the England ODI setup is insane some brilliant players are didn't even get a go in this series when a lot of the guys were in the test squad. So, uh, I don't know, like, yeah. people, you want to see Sam Hain have a go. You want to see Liam Livingston's never played an ODI. Yeah, you and, and, see him and go. what about Dan Lawrence? I mean, Claxon, <laughs> Claxon, but why not? Why not? If, 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 and you've got Denley as well. If you, if you think that Banton is is a better, a better number three, then why, why wouldn't you then have Lawrence at five behind Morgan? I know Liam Livingston's a very fine player. I know Sam Hain's got a crazy record. You know, and an okay strike rate. Uh, Lawrence is obviously a talent, and he's obviously got got the taste for it at that level. I'm I'm merely saying there's lots of good options out there. One of whom is Dan Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. one of whom uh, is always Daniel Lawrence. On Liam Livingston yesterday, it was his birthday yesterday. All oh, right, did, brilliant. Did, didn't bat and had to field fifty overs after Morgan pulled a hamstring. So that was a yeah happy birthday. <laughs> Um, before we go on to cover the Bob Willis Trophy and the Pakistan series, on to Willis. Uh, we've got a exciting um, competition to shout out about. So India's number one beer, Kingfisher, are giving you the chance to win a luxury trip to watch the RCB as part of their Keep Calm and Carry On competition series. Get that? Ah, Keep Calm and Carry On. There. Yeah. To bag yourself two entries, simply visit their Instagram page, Kingfisher Beer UK, and follow their page. To gain a further five entries to the competition, all you have to do is visit your local curry house, take a photo of your meal and upload it to social media using the hashtag keep calm and curry on. You have until Sunday the 9th of August to enter, but if you miss that date, don't worry, Kingfisher are running weekly competitions up until the end of September, including the chance to win T20 tickets to watch Middlesex at Lords as well as a signed Middlesex shirt. Um, it's worth noting, obviously, we don't know when fans will next be allowed in, but this competition... Um, particularly the RCB bit of the competition could extend to 2022 if we don't get any cricket India played until then. That's that's quite a, a tinkle, that isn't it? That's, yes, what, it's one, one hell of a competition. That. Yeah, that's um, just yeah. drop that one in there. And, and also, you just you just have to go go for a curry and take a picture of it, and then and that's how you enter. <laughs> and most they're, people they're do that in a half years' time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most people take a picture of a good curry anyway, don't they? Exactly. Exactly. This um, is brilliant. We're, we're not going to talk too much about the Pakistan series because we A, talked about it last week and we're recording this on the morning of the first test. So by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably look like mugs if we make too many predictions. So just w- one question about the Pakistan attack, really. Um, they have many exciting seamers. Who are you most expecting? Who are you expecting to do the best this series out of the guys they've got on show? Well, sorry, just at the risk of looking foolish, as you said, and... Uh, 
and on the Pakistan attack, they, they've been discussing playing two spinners, which I think would be bonkers, basically. I mean, you've got such a good pace attack there. Uh, you know, against this England bowling attack, you're going to want an, as much batting depth as possible. Just play your best three paces and your best spinner. Just, 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 just as an aside. Uh, I'd love it. By the time this comes out, Shadab Khan and Yassir Shah have shared 10 England wickets on day one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, uh, uh, old faithful Mohammed Abbas is going to, is going to, do it for, for, for Pakistan I can, I can see why you might say Nazim Shah you know he's, he's the coming man Hamid Abbas hasn't had the, the best time of it after obviously his blistering start to international cricket but that kind of bowler whenever they come to England tends to be successful and I think that like I think the the reason why he struggles is because he's found conditions not as much to his liking elsewhere rather than uh, that he's declined particularly I think so mm. yeah for me it would be him he didn't have quite as good a counting championship season last time around as he had done before. Um, I, don't, I don't think it is just yeah. appearances yeah. outside of England. Um, I'm most excited by Shaheen Afridi. Okay. Um, I feel like he's gone under the radar just because there's, there's another youngster. Uh, he's got 86 international wickets. He's only 20. Good pace. He's about six foot six. Pitches it up. I think he could take loads of wickets this series. And he's the one who's least talked about of that three, bizarrely, I think. Well, I was going to talk about him. He's also the favourite uh, with the bookies to be the top Pakistan wicket taker. So I'm not sure how much under the radar he's going, really. Everyone's understandably more excited about Naseem Shah. I mean, he's 17 yeah, goals, yeah. It's, it's 93 again, miles though, an hour, it? yeah. You know, I, I get that, but I, I think I agree with you. I think Shaheen, uh, with that kind of height, he also bowled well, didn't he, in England in the World Cup as well. So he'll have good vibes around the pitches over here. Uh, I, I think he'll, he'll be tickling the the ribs of both England's openers and fancying that they'll have a leg slip to to Sibley. You know, they'll have a gully, a couple of gullies against Burns and, and someone around the corner as well. And, and it, it will be great. I think it will be really, really a fascinating series, this one. Mm. He's basically their attack leader at 20. Like Abbas was uh, left out in... In Australia, he's the guy who who, who plays in all conditions, uh, in all in all formats, which is which is quite remarkable for somebody who's only twenty. They've got a good record in England recently. Um, yeah, how and Andrew Strauss was the the last captain to win a Test series against Pakistan for interesting, England. Interesting. Um, um, so should be who on anyway on on to the Willis, the Bob Willis Trophy. On to the Willis. <laughs> We couldn't have, we genuinely couldn't have asked for a better start. Um, each of the bottom five in last year's county championship picked up wins, four of them against teams that will be in Division One next year. That gets you going. It really it? does. Dar- Derbyshire chased three hundred and sixty-five to beat Notts. An extraordinary game, really. Um, everyone was understandably excited by Hasib Hamid's pair of fifties on his Notts debut. Oh, and that shot when he ran down. Oh, that the pitch. was that was that was that was, that was gorgeous. Just describe it for me, yes. Uh, well, it's left. It Louis Reese bowling from around the wicket, left arm around the wicket. And uh, if you if you pause the video at various points, you could tell that Hamid had decided before the ball was bowled that he was coming down the wicket. And he just takes a couple of steps forward and then flicks it uh, just past the stumps straight for four. Um, it so was... the bottom hand comes through. There's there's enough impudence in there, but it's also brilliantly conceived. Mm. Sorry, I know this is very granular. Reminded me of Raul Dravid. Looked like Raul Dravid when Dravid used to kind of dare to come out of his box when he mm. had to play one day cricket and demean himself playing one day cricket. Just reminded me of, of Raul. Not yeah. a bad model for the boy. We, we noticed that Hamid was taking uh, quite a significant trigger movement to cover his stumps. I right. don't think he's done that as much before. And, and it's kind of... 
Well, he you know, kept in getting bold now. in LB, didn't he? Yeah, and now he's when, by the time the ball's released, he's got his pads completely covered in stumps, which interesting. A few, a few very good players around the world are doing at the moment. But anyway, back to Derbyshire's win. Um, <laughs> some amazing performances from Derbyshire. So Lewis Deploy, I hope I've said that right, scored 130 out of 237 in Derbyshire's first innings, and that gave not that, that still meant that Notts had a 100 run first innings lead, and then in their chase of 365. Finn Hudson Prentice scored 91 not out from number seven and he's never scored a first class 100 as well yeah. to see Derby home at the end he of the day. Gave Nottinghamshire both barrels. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. He's, he's also got a, a, like a tight earring in both ears which I don't know how, how you guys feel about that but I quite like it. Seems like a stylish bloke as well so that's good. Great. Um, Leicestershire beat Lancashire as well. They needed 150 from 16 overs at the end of day four to win that one. Um, ben Slater... Chase. Ben Slater scored a um, massive first inning score to set that up. Um, Middlesex helped by Nick Govins scoring 250 runs across the match, beat Surrey and Essex beat Kent in a thriller at Chelmsford, squeezing home by two wickets. So great start to the tournament on, on Govins. Uh, great to see him scoring runs. Um, he had an amazing 2016 and hasn't done a huge amount since, so not hugely dissimilar to Hamid. Um, but he got out in a very funny way in the second innings. It's not fair though, is it? No, but it, it, it still was very, very funny. Like in the search of quick runs, he'd obviously decided again, probably before the ball's bowled, he was going to reverse sweep it and got his balance horribly wrong and ended up falling on the ground uh, whilst behind him, his middle stump was out of the ground as well, um, which was which was really excellent. And the it's, other... And the other down, down number three, the other thing with Gubbins, yeah. uh, Middlesex opening with Robson and, and Holden instead. And I mean, you know, that that, that is... Uh, the least secure spot in the England test batting lineup. So interesting to see him have moved down there. You wonder whose whose decision that was, but it seems to have worked from so far. So mm. yeah, it's great to see. Yeah. You just you just glossed over Essex's win over Kent, didn't you? Well, hundred run deficit, just like last but year. Essex win all the time. Just like, like last year, same fixture, corresponding fixture, although that one was was at Kent, but to overturn a hundred deficit again on first innings, creep home, they have forgotten how to lose. Essex. Glorious. Um, there, were, there were some interesting takeaways from the first week of uh, first class cricket as well. Um, I thought it was interesting to see so many young spinners play who a lot of them I'd never heard of and mm. see some of them doing well. So uh, probably the pick of them was Dan Moriarty at Surrey on first class debut taking a Fifer. Um, Did you watch much of that here? Yeah, watched, watched, watched a fair, fair bit of it. Describe um, him then, because I've never seen him He's got He's got uh, a very odd approach to the crease. He basically walks very very slowly not hugely dissimilar to Rakim Cornwall then all the energy is just in in the delivery stride basically different physique uh what yes it's different physique he's a little bit smaller than than Rakim Cornwall I don't think the gaffer um, would allow a yeah. Cornwall to come through the ranks <laughs> it's interesting he, he, he outbowled Verdi had quite a, quite a difficult game actually he right. struggled, struggled with his length um and, and oh, on the middle of the side they had a I, I, I liked how Nathan Salter bowled only took a a couple of wickets, but bowled very, very uh, economically. And Tilan Walalawita, um, thank you. Uh, uh, Sri Lankan born, su- survived the 2004 yeah, oh, yes, of course. tsunami and came over here aged age 12. Uh, but yeah, I, I realised, I think I thought he had a, a lot of energy, sort of in his action. You kind of you, you almost look at Stills on Getty when he's bowling. You think like is is a spinner or a, a kind of medium pace coming in. Uh, but um, interesting. Yeah, I, um, I and then in, in that Leicester win as well, Cam Parkinson took 562. Uh, Mason Crane. Yeah, Mason Crane took career best figures for, for Hampshire. Uh, Marcus O'Riordan at Kent, he took a three for Hamadullah Kadri was playing in the same game for Kent. And Jack Carson on first-class debut, age 19 for Sussex, took five wickets. 
Um, so, signs. so lots of spinners and there are, there are others there who I've not mentioned as well so that, that was interesting and also on the, at the other end of the spectrum you had the old men thriving as well Darren Stevens, Ricky Clark and Tim Murta all in the wickets um, yesterday Ben we were, we were really confused by what Tim Murta was doing so every now and again he was just bowling off like seven yards yeah. so he'd bowl four balls in an over normal run up then this penultimate ball he'd just run he'd, he'd bowl in off seven yards and it was quite effective he, one of his wickets was Bowl, by bowling, and almost like he caught him not quite ready for it. Like <laughs> Jack looked up and he was already there. And yeah, he... that's not unusual, though, is it? What you know, a spinner's run up for a pace bowler. Yeah, is it? Yeah, but to mix it up with a long run up every now and then as well. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that I has think... happened quite a lot through history. You know, play, players partly for what you're saying, they do want to get a batsman unawares. It's also sometimes the fag end of a spell. Yeah, um, a lot of players used to do it. You know, not necessarily. Uh, kind of murder sort of pace but you know holding used to do it a lot marshall used to do it a lot um both of them used to do it as well actually uh, sometimes you just turn you just turn off three or four steps uh, and wang it down there it's just tim Murta, what what a bowler just taking the piss off three steps at 70 miles now and still being the best bowler in the country language um and then there was a bit of sam robson leg spin as well taking two wickets two balls at quite a crucial bit in that game as well what a week okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a travesty, no one could go to see it. But, but, you know, but loads of people could watch it because the live streams, and they're not, not, they weren't just live streams. They were really good as well. Commentary synced up with the radio, uh, you know, high-class graphics on show as well. Um, thousands of people online to watch the end of the Essex game. Um, they, make, they make such a difference as well because there has been streaming in county cricket in the past, but the quality of the stream just gets better and better. I mean, we talked about Surrey's before with their multi-camera a system it's it's really good yeah before it would be something that you would endure really because you wanted to know what was going on or you wanted to glean information but it wasn't really a pleasurable viewing experience i don't know if that's going to be sacrilege to, <laughs> to you know people fans of somerset's ben warren or whatever but um uh but yeah no th- this this was a, a properly a properly fun thing it's the kind of thing you kind of just have in the background as a nice accompaniment to your day which is how cricket is sometimes best enjoyed you, like i remember on, on monday morning I, I wasn't working but i just uh had a spare half hour half hours i was getting ready just thought i'd just stick a mead on for for for, for a little bit and it, and it was great i mean you, you as when you played a shot you knew you were going to be able to watch back and there would be a replay although there'd be a camera following the ball to the boundary you wouldn't have to have your eyes trained on it the whole time for fear of missing the one thing that happened and there was no commentary to tell you that it did happen uh, this 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 was great and it's 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 part of the new broadcast deal they kind of have lost that stipulation that counties could only stream uh, via a camera from each end, for which, if you're confused by the Scarborough game last year, that was just an exception, basically. They just got permission to do it, but yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's great. It's a, potentially a revolution for the, the county game. You know, it could really, really benefit it in the years to come. Um, and the numbers are great. So not talking about it on their Twitter feed this morning, like over 80,000 people watching Knott's. I saw 125,000 people were tuning in for Somerset's game as well. Uh, it's great to see. Really, yeah, really good to absolutely. see. Absolutely. Um, and finally, the IPL um, has been announced for 2020. It will take place in the UAE, taking place from September to November. So quite soon and also for quite a long time. But perhaps m- more interestingly, a women's tournament has been confirmed too. It's a three-game miniseries, the same format that was held in 2019. Um, ben, it's it's a bit cheeky calling that a women's IPL. Um, it's, it's it's nowhere nowhere near... A women's IPL. Yeah, well, I guess the, the thing is they, they announced a while ago before, you know, everything changed that there would be a women's IPL this year and probably had at that point designs to have it be 
like you know maybe a four-team tournament where each team plays other twice then you are getting closer to a, an approximation of, of of the men's event but then I guess with all that's going on they've just scaled back to what it was last year and are somehow keeping the name when yeah it's it's not that which is a shame the timing of it is also a shame I think they they're holding it during the when the playoffs are going to be mm. if they if they were holding it at the beginning of the tournament say a sort of a curtain raiser then it wouldn't clash with the women's big bash league in Australia but as it is you're going to have South African players who are going to have to you know make a, a, a tough choice between between the two the Indian players aren't going to be like be able to be involved in in that Australian competition which is a real shame you had Alyssa Healy was a uh, uh, in an argument with a, a journalist about on Twitter and, and very much winning the argument, I think he he resorted to having to like maybe heart, well, well, to say he had a, a PhD in cricket from Oxford University was uh, was his eventual comeback, which I think if you're saying that you probably know you've lost. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a shame. But I, I, hopefully, I mean, this is just a you know, I mean, this is one year of of no progress, and next year there'll be progress again towards a proper women's IPL and. Maybe there'll be some sort of resolution because the, the fixtures aren't confirmed yet for that women's game, are they? It's just mooted for, to be the end. So hopefully they'll see sense and have it at the beginning. Women's mm. ba- Big Bash League, which is the closest approximation to women's IPL at the moment, really can go ahead as planned and uh, and everything will be fine. But that, I guess that really is the case. Mm, absolutely. Anyway, thanks, Phil. Thanks, Ben. That's it. Yeah, that, sure. that, that is it. Yeah, um, we've, we've got to go and get our breakfast. Um, anyway, this has been the Wizard Creek Weekly Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends if you're feeling especially nice please leave us a five-star review on the podcast app. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.